record as well. Just make sure that's coming through loud and clear. Test, test, test. Boop. Yep. Yeah. That. I'm all good. Where's the video file? Streamlabs captures. First, 11th of May. Yep. Cool. All coming through. Right. Let's do this. Hello there! It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective, hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, that thing's operational, it's Anthony James. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I didn't want to speak for you by claiming that you were operational, but I thought, you seem you seem operational. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting... But I think I'm pretty operational. The thing is, uh, I said to Connor just before we started, I'm very tired at the minute. uh, So I'm feeling like my my operational is going down. But I think I still am operational. So yes, I think you're right in saying that. Sure. Like operational doesn't imply fully uh, like running at maximum efficiency. So we'll see what kind of percentage we end up with from the the Anthony Anthony James. I'm going to predict 43%. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if we can crank those numbers up. Um, (laughs) If you are new to the show, we're going to be doing a movie diary this week. There's going to be a few structural changes uh, for those who've listened before, so uh, bear with us as we try out a couple of new things. But this is the show where we talk about uh, the movies that we've watched since the last time we did one of these, with some extra bits as well. Um, And uh, if you do enjoy the show, please consider subscribing to us on the Culture Cave on YouTube um, or on podcasting apps. We are the best movie podcast ever there. Uh, Give the show a like. Get involved in the comments and let us know what you have watched this week. But uh, without further ado, I say it's time to talk about some gosh darn movies. Let us do it. Nice. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the same intro in, <laughs> and then and then just go off on a wild tangent and see if I can negotiate <laughs> my way to, no to, 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 to news. There we go. All right. Movies. Welcome. <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about. Back it's gonna on be form. Back, yeah, back, <laughs> back on top. Uh, to quote Limmy. Um, we're we're going to start with something different this week. We're going we're gonna to break from tradition. A tradition that has served us well for, I think it's our 21st episode now. 21 episodes. It's, it's flying by. We can um, drink in America. That's Well, that is weeks. It'll ha- it, it, ah, like, be a few more. Podcast years. It's like dog years. Yeah, you know, sure. Like podcast years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, very much so. There's, there's like, ten, well, I certainly feel it. Like ten, ten podcast years to every, every episode. Um, is how much it ages you as a podcaster. Um, we're gonna start with a brief tour around the world of movies this week. Look at what's been going on in, in, in the, in the social media sphere. Just because there was some interesting stuff that went on this week that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Number one with a bullet. We have to start here. Uh, Zach. <laughs> I think I think Adam knows which one I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going to start with. Zack Snyder revealed today that in the upcoming Army of the Dead, which is going to release in, on Netflix, I think next week, which I'm actually quite looking forward to, mm. um, they unfortunately had to cut um, a zombie male stripper with an enormous <laughs> penis that had a bite taken out of it because, in his words, <sighs> we thought that was too much. My question to you, Anthony, is has censorship gone too far? Uh, well, it's not enough. Let's be honest. Uh, I mean, it depends how big the bite was. I mean, if yeah. maybe maybe the bite was too much, maybe he wanted a small nibble. Maybe. Well, I mean, that's a that's a good point actually. If the bite was big enough, the size of the penis is irrelevant. Yeah, because... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it depends who's biting it. Like, let's say if, yeah. if the if the megalodon is biting this penis, you know, there wouldn't be a man, let alone a penis. Like, Nothing so... left. Yeah, I'd like. So I, I mean. <laughs> I, I'm I'm quite looking forward to this movie. I'm enjoying that this is the dialogue that surrounds it uh, as as it's uh, as it's getting ready to release in a week. Not is it going to be good, but instead just like male strippers, zombie strippers with enormous penises. That's where we are. In this the could be a genius move by Zack Snyder putting this out into the into the ether there. Yeah. Because what if, if it comes out and no one's re- everyone's going to be thinking about that? Like why? Why on earth, if you take your craft as a filmmaker seriously, would you be like a week before it comes out, we have to cut out the penis yeah. with a bite out of it? I'm sorry, like you have to, you'll have to wait for the for the Snyder cut of uh, of Army of the Dead in in two years time when we can restore the, the penis cut, yeah. to its original glory. Um, the Snyder bite in the Snyder cut. Um, although, Connor, I was I was actually, I was actually looking up. Uh, I, I I thought like. They're taking this out. It's not in the film, but there must be some absolutely obscene moments in zombie films. Yeah, sure. I found one. I wanted to mention at least one. So, oh, go on. In, 
in Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Oh, I've uh, never, I've never heard of this. Ni- 1974. Oh. It was a Spanish-Italian zombie classic. Uh, okay, so <laughs> he gr- so a guy, a zombie, reached into a woman and ripped her her breast off. That's oh. that's the most gory, weird, sexual thing I could find. Yeah, this that sounds like a giallo kind of. That sounds right <laughs> up my my street, the Italian horror street. I have to I have to yeah. seek this out. Six point eight on IMDb. That's pretty good by Italian <laughs> horror movie standards in the seventies, to be honest. Um, yeah. And it has a, a guy in it who looks a bit like a Spanish David Tennant zombie. So um, I'll seek that out. It won't be available <laughs> anywhere. That's the problem with those kind of movies. Is yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. lost to the vaults of time. Um, but yeah, so we're starting with that zombie penises. Um, another interesting bit of news that um, starting out in a high. We wanted wanted to begin this new section in a high brown manner, set the tone yeah. for where we were going to go next. Um, something else which happened this week, which I thought was quite funny, um, is that the fans of the MCU continue to not accept that Andrew Garfield is not going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home, <laughs> despite him explicitly saying he's not going to be in it. Um, the, 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 the meme I've most seen you, um, used uh, in relation to this is him saying, I'm not going to be in it, and then Catherine Hahn from uh, WandaVision doing that <laughs> like, wink. <laughs> like, because... No one believes him. Um, which it was Andrew all along. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't really care if he's in it. To be honest, well, how do you feel about Andrew Garfield as Spider Man? I, like, I didn't. I didn't like the Andrew Garfield Spider Man films. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Yeah. So I really don't care. I think yeah. it would be cool maybe to have him in if you are going to have the rest of the Spider Man in. It would make sense that he'd be there. I also want to say though. Tom Holland, the current Spider-Man, has been the worst in terms of spoilers. Like, it's ridiculous. He literally just... He he said something about Spider-Man being in space before uh, the Avengers film came out, yeah. where he went into space. He just spoils everything all the time. So I can imagine, like, Andrew Garfield, if he was going to be in it... Not to, not to add fuel to the fire here, but if he was going to be in it, he would be 100% being told, don't be him, don't be the little gymnastics guy from England. Yeah. Don't say a word well and you know he's got a him and toby Maguire. if they are indeed in it uh they need to you know keep stum because their careers have taken us garfield's less so but um their careers toby have McGuire, taken a bit where of a is toby downtown. Maguire, like but, well i mean hopefully in spider-man no way at home because otherwise i don't know what he's doing like probably there's, there's not much yeah there's not much work for a 50 year old man who sounds like a 13 year old like see <laughs> see biscuit too um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've never liked Tobey Maguire. I didn't particularly like Andrew Garfield. To, uh, uh, Tom Holland's fine. Um, I, Spider-Man, I love Spider-Man. I, I just, I can't bring myself to... Like, when, when an actor says he's not in something, my default reaction is to say, oh, okay, he's, he's not in that, rather than <laughs> trying oh, to read really? between okay. the lines. Yeah, okay. I know it's uncommon. I know it's uncommon. Um, Would be weird if he's in it. <laughs> like, let's it, be honest. It, it, this is this is like weird culture now of of like movie studios and like production companies kind of lying to the fans but like winking yeah. about it um which i don't massively like because i feel like it's kind of indulging hype culture which it, i don't like in, in the first place it's because there's a constant connection between the studio and the fans these yeah. days through social media like back in the day they would have just been able to stay quiet yeah. Whereas now, if they feel like they have to say something, yeah, they can't. They can't just say nothing. Yeah. Um, so they have to, and you know, they're missing out on a chance for hashtag engagement, um, which <laughs> yeah, exactly. not a fan of anyway. Um, I'll tell you something else. I'm not a fan of the next two stories. We're going to have to be relatively serious about the f- the first one, maybe less so. But um, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association continues to get completely fucked. Uh, they're the guys who basically vote on the mm-hmm. Golden Golden Globes, and I do say guys as a gendered term because uh, by the <laughs> by the sounds of things, it is made up of a bunch of old white guys, uh, and everyone is annoyed with them, including Netflix and Amazon. Um, and it's kind of burying. Um, Another news story, which I actually think is more important, but I thought it bears repeating here that uh, uh, you might actually not see the Golden Globes next year because NBC aren't going to show it on, on, on American TV because everyone's mm-hmm. saying the the people who vote on this are a bunch of pricks. Um, not enough diversity. Um, no. And I, I can already hear the keyboards flapping, not on our videos, I know that, but on certain videos yeah. saying the best people should be nominated. Well, Fuck off. Like, well, like, if, if, if we're in 2021 and someone still has to be given the argument for why diversity is good yeah. for society, then I don't really need to have conversations with those no. people. And, and like, the thing is, like, yes, that it, that, like, that is, in the, in the cold light of day, the best people should always get the best jobs. Unfortunately, it, inherent, uh, like, bias is a thing. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a white person, you are more likely to pick a white person to, to, to take your job or to, to do a job alongside you. That's, that's just that's just maths. That's how, like, the statistics back that up. Well, so history you, shows that's yeah. the case. Like you need to enforce diversity to some extent. And uh, and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association have not done it. And good for, good for like, everyone who's calling them out. Yeah, um, I will just say as well, like, a friend of mine recently said that when he first saw Avengers Endgame and the moment where all the female superheroes, like, uh, assembled... Yeah. Um. He he was he was like okay it's it's all right but I, it's a bit on the nose for him he was like he walked out of the cinema thinking that was a bit in your face then he watched it with his three daughters yeah and he was like I completely get it because yeah. you do not like and I said I said this to him I said uh I said like um the white male is the last to understand why diversity is important <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> I mean I was watching that thinking they should have got She Hulk in here like I, I, that, <laughs> yeah, one know, day I, I was like there's there's a bunch of really really good female superheroes and, and all the ones they picked I was like I don't like any of these characters but well, good for them for doing it it was it's well, important She Hulk She Hulk is actually getting a series and playing She Hulk is going to be the woman from uh, Orphan Black. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, I'll, I'll I'll keep an eye out for that then, because yeah, I like She-Hulk. She's a she's a fun character. I don't know wh- where she kind of stands at the moment with comic books. Having not, I'm not, I haven't really read comics properly for many years. I'm gonna be honest, uh, uh, Conrad. I think of nothing but China the wrestler when I think of She-Hulk. So I need something <laughs> new in my mind. <laughs> don't look that up if you don't know what Anthony has just referred to there I've never seen it, it I've never seen it I just know that she was in it good lord this is supposed to be a highbrow segment where we talk about news and, you, and, and we're talking about porn um, no, what? no no I didn't what I'm talking about superheroes yeah the super that she was in a porn film playing She-Hulk oh I actually did you not realise it was porn <laughs> no did you only watch the, the first 20 minutes of it Yes, no, I didn't, she, I, she was I, I didn't watch it at movie. all. I didn't watch it at all. I just know she was She-Hulk. I didn't know. Well, in the first, <laughs> like, yeah, so she was in a pornographic version of the Avengers, I think, um, where she played She-Hulk. Uh, and okay, I'll, well, I I'll regret no mentioning more. it now. I regret <laughs> mentioning it now. I did think when you said it, I was like, that's very blue from Anthony. <laughs> 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 Whatever, moving on. Um, so... <laughs> I'm gonna to have to take like a tonal, a tonal kind of like shift, or it's not so much of a tonal shift actually, because we've just been talking about how um, Hollywood continues to have a problem with um, old, crusty white dudes dominating um, a bunch of things, and unfortunately, uh, the the Hollywood Foreign Press Association stuff has to some extent drowned out um, a story about Gal Gadot coming out and revealing that mm. Joss Whedon was um, a bit of a knob to her on the set of the Justice League where he basically threat. Uh, I think she in an interview with an Israeli magazine uh, last week um, she said that he threatened to make her career miserable um, after she took issue with the direction he wanted her character to go in um, and obviously latest in a long line of accusations yeah. against um, Joss Whedon this is one of the milder ones uh, Before prior to this Ray Fisher the guy who played Cyborg um, basically implied that he had agreed with Zack Snyder that Cyborg was going to drop his Teen Titans catchphrase booyah because tonally it didn't really make sense for him to be quipping in a movie as tonally dark as the Justice League. And then when Joss Whedon came in, um, Jeff Johns, the producer, and John Berg, who's like the, I think he's like the chairman of uh, DC Films, um, wanted to put the line back in. Um, and it was mm. kind of very telling that the only character they wanted to just reduce down to like a quippy stereotype was the black character yeah, um and, and it was implied that 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 um that ray fisher's career was kind of placed in jeopardy as a result and obviously as well a few months ago charisma carpenter from buffy's um very very well written and um and serious accusations against joss whedon when he worked on buffy and i, I kind of hate to have to talk about this because i don't like bring the tone of the podcast down i guess at the beginning but like this stuff keeps coming up and i just i feel like that some something has to change with these people being hired to 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 head these movies. I guess you know I used to like Joss Whedon a lot. I guess you know before before these things come out, it's hard to know where you stand on these people. But yeah, it's disappointing to see get like yet more stuff for him. Yeah, well, power corrupts, you know, and like yeah. well, having said that, like, it doesn't corrupt everyone. But if you are the type to let power go to your head and be an absolute dick about it, this and actually. I suppose, what would you call this? My, 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 my head goes to the word bullying, but I'm not sure if it's bullying. I think it's... Well, how would you how would you actually categorize what he's doing? I mean, it's, it's just like rampant unprofessionalism. It's basically like yeah. saying it's my way or the highway um, and essentially making the lives of your actors 
a nightmare and treating them as mm. kind of less valuable than you as a creator and and i think there's there's a fine line uh, there's an interesting discussion to be had i think about the the extent to which someone's shitty behavior can be excused for the art that they create i certainly think in whedon's case he hasn't created anything that justifies being as shitty as he is not that anything could justify it but uh being as shitty as he has been to to charisma carpenter and the other people he's worked with and i think more to the point i guess the, the reason i really wanted to mention this is that i see a, i've seen a lot of dialogue around this with people kind of suffering from fatigue with the amount of accusations that come out about people in particularly in the movie industry but in other industries yeah. as well basically like oh another person who's being you know cancelled by the mob and i think the reality is this comes this is come like a lot of this is coming out now or has been coming out in the last couple of years because people finally have like the freedom and the confidence to speak up about it yes um so while i get that it's kind of it can be fatiguing to just constantly see it we should be encouraging these people to to talk about this because that there there's a lot of these people like met with cynicism where it's like oh charisma carpenter's only doing this for her own personal gain and the immediate question is well what what personal gain is she getting from this like she's yeah. she she has she's not going to land any film roles from 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 this you know she's she's putting her neck on the line um so i feel like i, I always feel like that that cynicism is um is very it's 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 a it's a like kind of a bad faith argument um and i feel like we should be celebrating these people for having the confidence to come out and talk about this yeah and i think i think i think you are right in what you say i also think that the the idea that uh you know people going on about this can't like, say cancel culture or whatever right um yeah. i i don't really get the argument i i i i understand that there every now and then is a case where someone gets cancelled that maybe it's arguable that okay, they, it was a bit too far. Maybe they shouldn't have been cancelled. Mm. But in order, that's that's like that's like taking like the justice system and saying, you know, oh, that person actually didn't commit the crime, so they shouldn't have went to jail. So therefore, we'll scrap the whole justice system. Yeah, it's like no, most people who get cancelled, uh, you know, in 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 the in 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 the way that you know it's described, have done something abhorrent yeah absolutely okay? I, I think yeah i 100 agree with you sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there yeah but also you know exactly so they, they've done like there are examples that you could throw at us right that where there is someone who has like for example uh, recently Lindsay ellis did you see did you watch Lindsay Ellis? yeah video? i did and it was just like this is this is so dumb that this is happening yeah. to her of all people yeah exactly so there are like the, the and the, the ironic thing is is that Lindsay ellis was was actually cancelled so to speak from the the side of the political aisle that she would actually consider herself to be yeah. so it, it it is infighting as well it's not all just let's bring them down because that's that you know they're them it's, it is actually yeah. just people on twitter jumping sometimes but things like this which are so like you know this multiple accusations it, it's important that we just view it as the facts and not think of it as this twitter mob don't think about the twitter mob Look at what's actually come out about it yeah. and make a decision for yourself, you know? Yeah. And I think if you come down on the side that Joss Whedon shouldn't be getting cancelled because he's a great guy, I think that's... You need to look at it a bit harder, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I would I, I would agree. And I think that's I think that's very well said that, you know, th th this is... We should we should like cherish the fact that we are in a situation now where people can speak about this openly because you're very few people are getting cancelled as you said without doing something shitty. Um, but yeah, I wanted to mention that we will leave that behind and segue very naturally now into uh, a a new segment, a more light-hearted segment. So uh, it's it's a chance for us to put our put our feet up, cast our minds back to the the days of yesteryear. As, as we take a walk down an, an exciting new feature that all the kids are talking about on the internet. Um, yeah. and, and this is this is something of my cre creation that's called Back to the Feature! It's a cutie music. We'll see if this happens. If, it, if there's no music here, uh, we, we we screwed up in the editing, but it doesn't matter. So, oh, there will be. There will be. This is an exciting game show. All the kids are talking about it. It's the talk of the town. I have... Here's how it works. I have selected a film, a feature film, hence the title, from 25 years ago, as close to today's date as possible. Sometimes it doesn't line up perfectly, but it's pretty much spot on 25 years ago today. 
Anthony will hear five clues and he'll have five opportunities to guess the film. Each clue he hears will lower the amount of points that he ultimately scores. So if he gets it on the first clue, he gets five points. Second clue, he gets fourth points. Third clue, he gets three points. Uh, fourth clue, he gets This two is from points. the past, not the future, right? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait. I, I, I'll, I'll give nothing away. It might be 25 years in the future. Maybe I, maybe I have those kind of cognizant powers. <laughs> yeah. Um, Play along at home as well, by all means. I want to see some scores. But here, here we go. Is that all make, does that all make sense to you, Anthony? I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm on board with it. The only thing is, now that you are going to have it around this date, I'll try my hardest not to look up uh, the, the films from 1996 so I know which ones came out every week. I'll not look them up from Yeah, you're on. not allowed to look at 1996 on IMDb. Yeah. That's now off yeah. limits to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, right. Here we go with Back to the Feature. First clue. Here we go. I'm imagining like a kind of uh, who wants to be a millionaire, like yeah, in the background. (laughs) This movie was released on May 10th, 1996. Took home almost $50 million in its opening weekend and $500 million overall. Hmm. You can take a guess. You won't lose anything. Yeah, I'm not going to get it from that. Okay, so 1996. (sighs) My mind is going to some sort of Batman film. I don't know why. My mind is going to... don't know. Which one would that be? Would that be Batman Forever? It's not Batman Forever. But it's oh, a good guess. It's a solid guess. So, I like, I like so hearing close. you... You were close. <laughs> I like hearing you kind of logicking out what's... Um, uh, yeah, your thought yeah. process. Oh, there'll be more of that. There'll be more of that. Okay, so this is an interesting... This is an interesting one now. We're not just... We're not just dealing with kind of dimes and nickels here on the best movie podcast ever right second clue this was the first ever movie released on dvd and the last ever movie released on hd dvd whoa that is a great little that's a great little i found that one found that one yeah yeah you plucked that out the ether right okay first movie released on dvd well it's this doesn't mean that it is this but my first film we i ever had on dvd was the fellowship of the ring uh, this isn't the fellowship thing. I know that, but that was the first one our family had on DVD. Um, it's a great, a great start. To yeah, the yeah. DVD uh, collection. Let me see. Okay, so first one released on DVD. The last one released on HD DVD doesn't really make any. Like, I can't guess from that. Um, so, <laughs> oh. I like the idea. You'll find out when we uh, when or you'll see when we find out what movie this is. But I like the idea that they were like, we've got to get this one out. Get this one out the door before HD yeah. DVD closes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, 500 million worldwide. Yeah, it was a big hit. 1996. I honestly have no idea yet, so I'm going to say something like... Ah, uh, jeez, I don't know. I just, uh. A pass is an acceptable answer if you can't think of anything as well. There's no pressure to, to always come up with one. Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> 500 million worldwide would have been a huge success for Ninja Turtles. I think that was actually in the late 80s too. <laughs> so yeah. It is not Ninja Turtles 3, but it's a good guess. It's a good guess. Love love to hear Turtles in Time. No, what is that called? Is it, it is Turtles, Turtles in Time, time I think. That is the one they go to the ancient Japan. Ah, that's right, yeah. That's, that's a great movie. Um, okay, third clue. It's from the director of Speed, Speed 2, Cruise Control, and Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Oh jeez! I think I, I I think you're going to get it on the second uh, on the, the the fourth clue is all I'll say. So you've got okay. two more after this. Speed, speed two. Um, right, okay. To be honest with you, uh, Conrad, I'm still just guessing based on the year. Like I, I, I that's all right. It's been great. It's been great clues, <laughs> but it's I don't know the director of Speed. Um, I mean, nor did I to be honest until I until I read the name. Think of the type of movie, though, is all I'll say as a, as a little... Okay. I can't quite remember the name of the film, but I know that Nick Frost in her Hot Fuzz loves it. <laughs> <laughs> is it Point Break? Is that the name of the film that I'm thinking of? It It's not Point Break. That is the name of the film you're thinking of. I think is that, that a good was, guess? That was, that was a good guess. I think that's 91. That was directed by Catherine oh. Bigelow, who would go on to do The Hurt Locker. And that's would, right, yeah. And was briefly married to Jim Cameron. Um, a great guess, though, and a lovely mention. Lovely mention for, <laughs> for the Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze. I believe they are <laughs> bank robbers who are also surfers in that movie. Um, a great team up. Okay, I think you're, you're going to get it on this one. You've got two more clues left. This is the second okay. to last one. So here we go. All right. 
this disaster movie had a ride at Universal Studios. I can't remember if you've been to Universal Studios or not. And I actually, I will put a caveat in here. I don't know if it's still there. I don't think it is. I'd be very surprised if it's still there. Did Michael Bay direct Speed? <laughs> no. I'll give you that. Okay. Well, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get this. Because my so, mind went Armageddon. That's where my mind went. Um, you're on the right tracks with that kind of movie. Right, so Deep Impact? <laughs> I, like, I love that. That's <laughs> like the, 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 the perennial, like, if it's not Armageddon, it's Deep Impact. It's not Deep Impact. Um, it, you're, oh. in, you're in the right ballpark. Come on, one point. We're on, the last, on. we're on the last clue here, folks. It could be a bad start to uh, Back to the Feature for Anthony here. Last clue. After star Bill Paxton's death in 2017, Storm Chasers spelled out BP on their GPS systems to honour him for his performance in this movie. Bill Paxton. Yep. Is he the guy? I'm pretty sure I know who he is. He was in the the circle that I reviewed on this podcast a while ago. Yes. He passed away as his last role. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he was in this film. Mm. It's also in Aliens and Predator Two, amongst other yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. So tell me that that's the clue again. Bill Paxton was After it? Star Bill Paxton's death in 2017, Storm Chasers spelled out BP on their GPS systems to honour him for his performance in this movie. Okay, so it's an Air Force movie. It's a disaster movie. I feel like there's going to be people at home roaring at you. Which is what we want. That's, that's the... That's the, that's the I am going to say the wrong film. Just to, just to warn you. <laughs> Pearl Harbor? It's not Pearl Harbor. It's a, that's a bit later, 1996. You, I think you, they're all good guesses there, though. The answer was, in fact, Twister. Of course, Helen Hunt. Yeah, Helen Hunt. I did. Oh. In fact, would you have got it if I'd have said Helen Hunt in that last clue as well? Because I did think about mentioning her. I would have got it if you see if you said Helen Hunt at the start. You just said the word Helen Hunt. I would have guessed Twister. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's okay. That's okay. Don't you were, it you were knocking on. You were knocking on the door. I felt. I feel like you got I think the. It, did you? Out of curiosity, that second last clue. Did you say natural disaster movie or just disaster? Movie? Uh, I think I just said disaster movie. So it if you had been... said natural disaster movie, possibly. But then again, if you, but what I'm basically saying is, if you had made the clues easier, I would have got it. Well, listen. I mean, I, I think you, you've you've given a decent account of yourself there, and you know you've given yourself a solid platform to build on because you can only get better than than. No, I, I would love it if we did like this a hundred times, but I never got it. Well, <laughs> but you know, like this is fun. I can't wait to see what the the people in the comments. Uh, got tell us how much points yeah, you, if you got. played along at home don't cheat be honest about what you got with that i'll be keeping an eye on all of you exactly and one of my favorite parts of uh, i can't remember exactly what film it is i think it might be danny mcbride in like pineapple express or something i'm not sure yeah but i can't remember what it was someone tell me but it's where he just goes what's your favorite helen hunt movie and then you're like, Twi- <laughs> twister twist their nipples <laughs> so well so I'm hoping that we can do this most weeks as well I will say like we'll see at the moment we're in like the kind of ripe summer blockbuster territory so yeah. it's all it's all fun and games getting one every week when we get to like the fallow January period next year we'll see how we'll see how well that holds up <laughs> but that was back to the feature the de- the debut uh, showing of back to the feature so well done Anthony for playing well done you at home for <laughs> well done for playing i get a participation award yeah. do i you get like a you get like the um what do they give for for countdown they give like a mug or something for countdown they get a, right? uh, it's, a, it's like a teapot yeah so you get you get the the back to the feature teapot uh, with uh, doc brown's face <laughs> yeah can i also just can i also just say right because we were talking to, i know we're in a different segment now but i just want to say this quickly because it is funny uh earlier on we were talking about people who rile against cancel culture yeah. you know how there's also that thing about people saying Kids these days, they get awards for everything. Participation awards? Fuck off. You know those people, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, I just want to say to you, I took a basketball team from my school to a tournament. We came dead last. They got a, they got a, they got an award. Every one of them put it in the bin on the way home. Oh, they good. don't. They know if they're winners. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah, like the the idea of like, it's very easy to tell who the winners and losers are, regardless <laughs> of whether you get a medal or not. <laughs> 
I love this idea that somehow like this this kind of like fundamental human desire to win it is it, is just doesn't exist in in millennials and zoomers. Yeah. Also, um, just 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 to end this, uh, the people who complain about that are the ones that give the trophies. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones who have to pay to get them made and organise it, and they'd rather just not do it. It's just lazy. Blame, blame the kids. Like, yeah. They have to exist, so we have to give them trophies. It's like, what, you're the one doing it, you yeah. idiot? <laughs> Am I that out of touch? No, it's the kids who are wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, right, okay, well, that's yeah, that's very good. I'm very pleased with how that went. And, uh, and, yeah. and now, if you've been watching at home or listening at home, thinking, when are they going to get to the movies? Here we are. We've arrived at it, finally, at long last. We're going to talk about the movies that we've seen since yep. the last time we did one of these. Uh, if you didn't enjoy that, you're, you're a humorless soul, and and <laughs> I pity you. Um, <laughs> Very much. Very much so. <laughs> so I think um, we... we I, I can't actually remember... I, I mentioned this film to you, and then I didn't actually check up to see if you did get a chance to see it. But the one I was going to start with, because I think we probably have the most to say about it, is a movie that's just come out in the UK and Ireland, uh, which is Palm Springs. On Amazon Prime. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I'm happy to hear about it. Okay, well, that's fine. I, w- I won't spend too long on it. To be honest, I didn't like it that much. Uh, the reason I thought you might enjoy it is because, weirdly, it is another time loop movie, uh, like the second okay. in the last two months. Um, this one's starring Andy Samberg, uh, Kristen Milotti, and uh, J.K. Simmons. Um, it's from... Uh, it's a debut uh, from director Max Barbacow and the writer Andy Ciara, who I think met on some short that they made a few years ago. And and basically, uh, there was The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, which came out a few months ago, which I really liked because it had a lot of sent- sentimentality to it that really appealed to kind of the soppier side of me. This doesn't do that at all. Um, I think the central performances are good and are, are funny at times but they very much go like the science route where uh, where uh, Kristen Milioti's character basically says, okay, I'm going to dedicate my life and several lifetimes to learning uh, like black hole physics to correct this um, this 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 portal that, that is uh, when you walk through it, you enter a time loop. Um, and that is essentially the, 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 the like, inciting incident of the movie that Andy okay. Sandberg and her are hooking up at a wedding. Uh, neither of them are particularly happy. She's the sister of the of the bride. Uh, they they get chased by J.K. Simmons, who shoots Andy Sandberg with an arrow um, through this portal, and then they're all in the time loop. Um, and if, if the inclusion of J.K. Simmons' character in that plot description sounded like a bit of a throwaway, <laughs> that's because his character is a bit of a throwaway. Um, I love J.K. Simmons. Great to see him in a movie. His character here adds nothing. He has no arc, and he should have been cut. He shouldn't have been in this movie uh, because he's pointless. Um, it's just to have him. It's just to have his name in there, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, he's kind of like an antagonist, but he barely shows up, and then there's like a resolution between his um, his character and, and Andy Samberg's character that doesn't really feel very earned because they barely speak to each other throughout okay. the entire movie. And to be honest, that is my problem with this movie as a whole is that it doesn't really. It's not very sentimental. It, it goes through this kind of like sciencey solution to the problem whereas a lot of these movies you know like your groundhog days and map of yeah, tiny yeah. perfect things is like you've got to fall in love or you know you've got to fix this mistake you made you, you know the characters mm-hmm. have to learn something and i don't really feel like any of the characters learn anything in this movie um which makes is it, it is it a comedy like what is it 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 is a comedy it's it's it is quite funny if there, if, if i was going to say there's a strength it is in the, the the jokes particularly you know Andy Samberg does Andy Samberg stuff and is pretty good at it um it it briefly threatens to kind of elevate beyond its genre trappings when mm-hmm. um uh Kristen Milioti's character asks Andy Samberg's character if he's slept with her before um and it kind of gets into this interesting discussion where they're like is it kind of a semi-abusive to be um you know basically repeating over and over again until you can like get this woman to to sleep with you in this time loop um and it sl- starts to go down that that route and, I, and that was the moment where i was like oh this could be kind of interesting and then pulls back from it and just becomes very generic um yeah. so yeah I, and and i think the one other thing i would say about it is the fact that it's not very sentimental makes the ending quite abrasive because it just goes full sentimentality and it's completely unearned um not an awful movie but i didn't enjoy it that much Okay, well, I'm always interested to see time travel films, as you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see a, a comedy which sort of tries to lean into the more sciencey stuff. That's why than... I thought you might like it actually, because the sci- it does really go heavy on the sciencey stuff, to be honest. Yeah, like it doesn't it, it doesn't go into sort of Big Bang theory sciencey stuff, does it? 
it kind of does yeah i mean there's like Ow. there's literal literal scenes where she's like on zoom calls with physicists talking about all sorts of stuff that i'm not intelligent enough to understand when i say big bang theory sciencey stuff i mean the, the sitcom <laughs> oh no 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 I, I thought you meant like like some kind of like astrophysics kind of um astrophysics stuff no uh no, I, I, like i'm in bazinga no, it doesn't do that, thankfully. Um, okay. Well, actually, no. If they go into the deep, the deep uh, science stuff, then I probably would be interested in it. Um, I, but I, I am I am the same as you, though. Like, there needs to be sentimentality. There needs to be a yeah. reason for the characters doing what it's, they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's just it's very cold until it decides it's not going to be. And by that point, the, the horse is already out the barn, unfortunately. Yeah. If it is just a cold science thing, I think I could, I could just be watching a documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's Palm okay. Springs. It's okay. It's okay. Andy Samberg's best thing he's ever done is Parks and Recreation guest star. Just to let you know. I um, forgot he was. I was. I rewatched Parks and Recreation with my partner, um, uh, pro- like about a month ago now, mm-hmm. and I had forgotten that both Paul Rudd and Andy Samberg are in that. <laughs> Paul was, Rudd in that. I was so thrilled when they showed up. Great. Paul roles. Rudd is hilarious. Yeah, Paul in Rudd that. is fantastic in that. <laughs> it's the part he was born to play, as far as I'm concerned. Just like yeah. a nice guy, but he's kind of a dick because he's he's just completely oblivious. Yeah, he's so stupid. Like yeah. it's 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 just absolutely great. Um, yeah, no, but Andy Samberg, I, I don't know I'm hot and cold on Andy Samberg to be yeah. honest with you. Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine is very good. I I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's a fact that he he ruined Adam Sandler's career with That's My Boy. Uh, so. <laughs> It, it was that's going so what well. Ruined it. Yeah, that's it was what going ruined it. so well. Yeah, definitely wasn't grown ups too. <laughs> what, yeah, right. what, uh, what, what have you got uh, that you wanted to discuss anyway? Right. Okay. So I've watched uh, since last we spoke. In terms of mentionable films that I've watched, uh, I've got two. Okay. Um, I will just not really talk about the, this one for very long, but I will mention it because I'm sure the listeners will think that is the most Anthony thing to do. Okay. I watched Free, Free Willy One. Uh, oh, <laughs> is that on? Is that on Netflix? I feel like I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's on Netflix. Yeah. I th- I saw that and I immediately thought of you and I was like, I wonder if Anthony's going to watch this. Yeah, I watched Free Willy Two about a month ago, on, and I talked about it on the podcast. Uh, there was like evil oil oil guys, like you know, the, like the, the camera goes dark and the music starts up because they're, they're just out they're transporting oil. They're the bad guys, you know. How was, um, uh, how was Elijah Wood's performance in it? And that is a running joke that our long term <laughs> yeah, listeners will yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah Elijah was pretty good in it. Uh, very background, you know. I didn't notice him very much, but <laughs> he, he was he was probably there at some stage. Um, listen, Free Willy is a classic. Let's be honest. Even mm. the, the like the, the the score and all. I just love Free Willy. You know these type of films, Orcas as well. Absolutely love it. I just I just I just wanted to uh, mention that I watched it and the harmonica skills on this boy. Jeez, you couldn't beat him. I will. Yeah, sorry. No, go on. No, go on. You finish. I was gonna. I was just gonna say like the. Uh, I didn't remember the end when the, the the whale jumps over, like actually escapes. Uh, and escapes the park and then jumps over the wall out onto the into the ocean or into the bay, I suppose. Mm. I didn't remember it being so crap CG. Like you know, the th- CG oh, is CG? really. I, I whatever it eventually whale. like. Okay, so it's a, it's a mixture between a CG animatronic and a real whale. Okay. Um, the real whale was called Keiku. It was released into the wild soon after this film was made, and it actually lived for another five to six years in the wild, which is okay. really cool. Nice. Um, now maybe would have lived longer in captivity, but it's sort of. It's sort of that old argument: if your nan's got six months to live and she wants to go and sit on the beach and live for three three months, or rot away in a hair home, which one would you choose? Um, yeah. So that's how I sort of feel about it. But so it was a good film. I, I like. I I I think that it, I do find it hard to watch because I I don't like the way orcas are treated. I've talked about that before mm. a couple of weeks ago. But um, the, the 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 relationship between him and the whale is is really cool. I like when the whale jumps over. But whenever the whale just jump over. Uh, when it's going into the ocean, it's very clearly CGI, and it just doesn't look very good. And I don't—I didn't remember that at all, to be honest. So uh, that was kind of what I was going to ask you is was because uh, I've got a couple of movies that I'm going to discuss that are very much kind of well, they're good movies, but they're also like nostalgia classics for me. Do you, did you find yourself kind of enjoying it beyond your your kind of nostalgic love for it, or um... yeah, I, I think I think it works. I think yeah. I think this film works as a family a family film. Like it works uh, as as like the story of this boy is uh, sort of a little ruffian. Who is he's an orphan and he's getting uh, given in, uh, he's being sort of going into a, a placement home with with a, with a couple who are looking to adopt him mm. um, and he's there for a trial period and he's been caught like you know doing graffiti on the sea park yeah. so then he has to go and volunteer at the <clears throat> sea park and he he gets to know the whale and... I forgot that setup that's great 
Yeah, so he he goes he go he, so he gets to know the whale and train the whale and like obviously the whale is you know that's Willie he's he's real he's a real rough whale you know yeah and you can there's like real like you know parallels between him and the whale a bit like that film uh concrete was it concrete cowboy yeah concrete cowboy or I mean any any movie where a character has a relationship with an animal I feel like the you know the the edges are softened on the human as they learn to tame this wild animal. Yeah, exactly. So even like the trainers at the place couldn't tame tame Willie, but he could. He, yeah, he tamed he tamed Willie. Um. So yeah, uh, it's that's the setup, and eventually he sort of comes good, and then he steals his uh, new father's truck, um, and they steal the whale and drive it to the water and release it, and that's the story. Meanwhile, the big businessmen who want to make all the money and sell like scumbags. Willie. Sell yeah, sell sell Willy. Well, they are scumbags because they've got they're torturing an intelligent animal. But uh, but anyway, um, they 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 want to make the money off him, and they're like, if there's a, there's a moment at the end which uh, like they they get to the they, they're chasing them, they get to the water, they finally release the whale into the water, but then it's in like sort of a little marina, and then like these boats go across with the nets and like yeah. trap the whale in, and the, the rich fellas are like are like looking so smug, they're like. <laughs> Yeah, you thought you could get away with this. The whale's trapped with the nets. And then the, the little kid runs up to the rocks and just goes, Ha! Ah! And the whale jumps over the rocks. And the two rich guys are like, What the fuck just happened? <laughs> Great film. Great film. I, 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 yeah. I remember that visual being very good. It's a shame to hear the CGI doesn't hold up because admittedly I haven't seen this since I was probably 10 or 11. But I remember that CGI looking... Oh, I remember that, that visual being good. It it was good for the most part. The poster does a lot of the heavy lifting. On the poster, it's him <laughs> yeah. standing there with with the with the whale jumping over uh, orca. Sorry, I should say they're not whales. Uh, Are they not whales? Yeah, um, no, they're 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 uh, the biggest variety of dolphin, essentially. Um, the oh, reason okay. why people call them whales is because uh, the Japanese is it translates to uh, whale uh, whale killer. So we oh, okay. call them killer whales. Uh, That's fascinating. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So because they actually like it, when they're in their pods, like certain pods, you know, did you know like certain pods of orca, they have different ways of catching food. Like they all have their own cultures and things, right? And their own like uh, their own languages, and um, and they they there's a certain there's certain ones that like sort of go underneath ice and then make a wave go over the ice to knock the seals in. There's yeah, that way. I've watched videos of like seals just being on like little breakaway bits of ice, yeah. being like surrounded by like, three killer whales and just being, it's like a, it's like a horror movie. It's just yeah. like, get it out is. of there. But that's how, that's how those certain orcas hunt. But there's yeah. other orcas who literally beach themselves to get a seal. There's, and there's other orcas who have learned how to hunt blue whales. Oh, wow. Those, yeah. those guys sound like badasses. Yeah, they're like, they're, they're like the uh, they're, they're like the, the I don't know how I don't know like they're the biker gang they're the biker yeah, they're like, gang they're, they're like the, the sharks or the jets of the uh, yeah. oh wow I guess tattoos yeah. tattoos all over that'd be great <laughs> killer whales with shark tattoos on them just like we're the sharks yeah, yeah. yeah. and what, like they've all got mom on their flipper yeah. you know <laughs> don't want to mess with these guys yeah they have yeah, like yeah, that's free willy I, I love I I love a I I I love a family film open to all ages and mm. this one does the job. I, I, you know, I haven't seen this in a long time. I will say it seems like it's one of the. Is it Disney? I can't remember if it is a Disney movie or not. Free Willy. It probably is now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but but I mean, this one. Warner seems Brothers, like I think. It, it, this might have been kind of. I think you are right. I think it is Warner Brothers, but it seems like it's been a little bit forgotten to time. Um, this movie It's not kind of held with the same reverence that. I don't know, like uh, some of the animation from from this period is held in. But I remember enjoying it, and I, you know, it tells a nice story. It tells a nice yeah, story. Yeah, and I think I think like looking back on it, the whales in captivity in the film, I think it will it will it will actually survive possibly the whole culling of uh, of animal cruelty because the story is about them setting him free because it's cruel to have him in the tank. Yeah. Um, and as well as that, the actual whale that was in it because he was in this film was able to be released into the wild so there is some positivity around the film's message in terms of the current attitude towards it today as well yeah no that's even if the whale was tortured to make it (laughs) yeah you know give and take (laughs) i'm sure the whale doesn't feel that way or i'm sure the the orca excuse me doesn't feel that way see well not anymore i'm learning not anymore that's true doesn't feel at all anymore very down note when that (laughs) discussion (laughs) a moment of silence for the particular whale okay right (laughs) I'll talk. I'm going to talk about a couple of movies now, and then we can finish on on the on the big one that uh, or the the main one you wanted to talk about. I think because mm-hmm. I've got to talk about two basically 
in the same breath because it wouldn't make sense not to. Cool. Um, Anthony, have you heard of a film called Star Wars? I've heard tell of it, yeah. Okay, so I watched two <laughs> Star Wars movies. Um, uh, one on the first two. <laughs> I, I did, yeah, the first two. Um, make of that what you will. We'll we'll, we'll go into that uh, more in a second, listeners. Um, this was not on May the fourth because um, I screwed up and couldn't do anything on May the fourth. Uh, my partner's a big fan of Star Wars. So this is on May the fifth. May the fifth be with you, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I watched A New Hope and then Empire Strikes Back. Um, and I watched. So I, I did. A, I did an interesting thing with these. I've got a um, a special DVD release of these movies that comes. It was the last time the uh, unedited versions were the big silver case. ever available. No, so this is before the silver case. This this oh, is basically okay. we had the. In this one, you've got the um, versions that were released with uh, George Lucas's CGI fuckery in the '90s, and there was also a bonus disc that was the laserdisc copy, which doesn't have any of that. It's the original release, cinematic release, weird aspect ratio, very low resolution, but you get to see the movie basically as it was when it came out in the cinema. So I watched the laserdisc version of A Star Wars: A New Hope because I cannot deal with the the, the scene where Han Solo walks over Jabba the Hutt's tail because I feel like it completely <laughs> ruins the threat of Jabba Hutt as a character. He looks he looks terrible. He, well, he looks terrible, and also it's like Han Solo is supposed to be afraid for his life. He shouldn't be like yeah. joking around with him walking over this character's tail. He will kill him. That's the whole. Yeah. That's the whole point of Han Solo's <laughs> arc in this movie is that he needs to get back and pay Jabba the Hutt. Um, and then I watched the 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 actual um, updated version of Empire Strikes Back. Um, and you know what? These movies are good. <laughs> that's my yeah. hot take. Star Wars, good movies. Yeah, very good movies. I th- I think that. Uh... Yeah, I, I, there's always a discussion around the original trilogy. Um, yeah. Everyone always talks about they're the best, they're, they're the number ones. Like, you know, um, every generation seems to uh, like everything that came before their generation. Do you know what I mean? So I am a prequels person. So I, I actually really like the prequels. I, yeah. I fully, fully get all the issues. Don't you worry. I, I do. But I, you know, I was like 12 in the cinema. Like, you yeah. know, if the internet didn't exist, I would think <clears throat> that the Jar Jar Binks was the shit, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's the internet that does it. So we all love the, the original three. Obviously we do because they're, they're, they're back then. I like the prequels too. The sequel trilogy, I can see all the issues there. I yeah. enjoyed a fair bit of them, but you know, I see all the issues there. But the kids who are growing up these days are going to love it all yeah. because they're growing up you know, it's only the ones that come out when you're like in your early adulthood that you realize, oh god, this is. A, you know. <clears throat> well, and I, I'm really interested. If the internet exists back then, no, no, there was it was too groundbreaking not not yeah, to be hit. I think. So I think the the thing I will say is the first movie. There is there is such a mark marked step up in quality between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. I yeah. think a, a New Hope. It feels quite cheesy. The acting's quite cheesy. The production design is nowhere near the quality of the production design of Empire mm-hmm. Strikes Back, and and just the the kind of artistry and the visuals nowhere near it. You know, you've got you've got stuff like Darth Vader's helmet has like fingerprints on it, and it just looks tacky. It looks like an episode of Doctor Who, um, yeah. but it was it was groundbreaking. I think, and that's that that is a massive boost uh, to its its how it's perceived, in it, and rightly so, in its its role yeah. in kind of film history. Yeah. I think. And the thing I love about the first movie is the the law that it establishes, which unfortunately George Lucas went on to kind of rob the mystery of a lot of by explaining yeah. all of it. So you know, in the first movie, the, well, exactly, but but not even just that. You know, in the first movie, you've got you know, Bachi, Galactic Councils, Moisture Evaporators, Kessel Runs, uh, you know, Red and Gold Squadron, all these little just things that are thrown out not necessarily to be explained they just make the world feel bigger than what you're seeing on yes. screen and alive yeah. and unfortunately george lucas spent a lot of his time mainly in the prequels but to a certain extent actually like later on with the other people who made the the, the, the second trilogy making the universe smaller by bringing it yes. all together being like oh anakin always knew c3po and this is what the castle run is and and etc etc i don't mind a bit of that but when you watch this movie, it's like, but oh, this feels so big because there's mm-hmm. so much here. Um, and the other things, obviously, that are really cool about it are um, Han Solo. He's a pretty cool character, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, the John Williams score, obviously amazing. And, and you know, it's a, it's a ripping yarn, as you, as you'll want to say. It's a lovely yeah. adventure movie, great pacing, doesn't really let up. Um, I did notice, 
something I hadn't realised when I was watching this when I was younger. No one can seem to agree on how to pronounce Leia or Leia. Like, like they call her Princess Leia and Princess Leia interchangeably in this movie. Um, and I'd, I'd never weird. noticed that before, but... They maybe haven't decided what they were going to go with, or maybe they just maybe George Lucas was so. I know he did American Graffiti before this, but maybe he was like too timid to just say, "Hey, listen, this, that's yeah, not yeah, name. you're pronouncing that wrong. Please pronounce it correctly." Um, but I mean, you know, Carrie yeah. Fisher herself pronounces it incorrectly at one point, and she should know. So maybe she just changes. She is a princess, after all. Maybe she's just like, "I'll be called this today." Um, she, she can just change her name by royal decree. The the, the one thing I know a really interesting thing about this film, though. Go on. They um they actually uh, I don't know about in Empire Strikes Back if they had improved their 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 way of doing this, but definitely in the first uh, Star Wars, they actually did the lightsabers by just shining a light through the cell itself. Uh, oh, okay. So so they actually cut a hole in the film and shined the light through to capture the image. I did. That's crazy. Isn't it? Every frame. It's like yeah. unreversible as well. Like you better get that right because like otherwise you've got a whole Well in the you film. can copy the frame. You can I guess you copy. could, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh oh, that's nuts. Yeah. And I, I wonder if they did that for all of them then, or was it literally just the first movie? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they did it. He released the film and then like a load of other people came around to him and goes, You know, George, there's way better ways yeah, to do it. You could this. have done like... this in an easier way, George. Um and and to be honest, I think that's the story of Empire Strikes Back in a lot of ways like the the George Lucas his imagination um is is kind of what makes um a new hope so good um they, you know there's there's other good stuff about it as well but that that kind of world building is really what made it remarkable and then you get to Empire Strikes Back and it's just like holy shit this is a this is a real movie here like there's... well like Irvin Kirshner took over and was yeah. the director of this one and you can just tell the difference in style yeah is just so it's like night and day yeah. and I like I know that Ryan Johnson has a lot of critics about his Last Jedi but I will say the difference between in terms of style and an approach to the film compared to J.G. Uh, Abrams, uh, mm-hmm. Force Awakens, when they moved to The Last Jedi. It's a similar change in style, yeah. I feel, as you had going from uh, George Lucas into Irvin uh, uh, Kirshner. I yeah. think, whether you believe it was successful or not, but I, I think they were trying to do the same shift in tone. Yeah, and I, I think I think I absolutely agree with that. And I, I think you and I are of a similar mind that like Last Jedi isn't a perfect movie. I think it has flaws. Uh, I think it's messy in a lot of places, but I respect that there is an artistic vision there, mm-hmm. which uh, Ryan Johnson remained committed to, even if he didn't perfectly achieve it. Um, certainly when you compare it to rise of Skywalker, which I think is just a garbage fire of a movie. Um, I, I okay, literally within days of it coming out, JJ Abrams started distancing himself from it. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, it is a, it is a shambles of a movie. Just awful from, t- from start to finish. Uh, and, and, you know, last Jedi, like I say, has its problems, but you are right. Like there, there is a, there's a pre- presentational consistency to it and a tonal consistency to it that, that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, this has that as well. So obviously mm-hmm. like, atmosphere it's just like that that's that final lightsaber fight between luke and darth vader with like the oranges and the blues <clears throat> in the in the, uh, the 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 carbonite freezing room just visually stunning and and you know they've got loads of little elements as well you know frank oz um as as, as yoda who i pointed out to my my partner also played miss yeah. piggy and as soon as yeah. i did it she was like i can definitely hear the miss piggy in, <laughs> in yoda and uh, i don't think she's gonna be able to look at uh, at yoda the same um but yeah, Empire Strikes Back is just a brilliant movie, and I don't think I'd appreciate it until I watched it this time around. Quite how good Empire Strikes Back is. Yeah, no, it's very, very good. So you're gonna you're gonna continue on and watch Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Return of the Jedi will probably be popping up next week, I think, and then we'll see about the others. We'll see. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, I've got one film left. Okay. Um, I wasn't going to talk about Free Willy at all, but then we just got into it. But um, this one, let me ask you a question, Conrad. What do you know of Lady Gaga? Um, I know that she was born this way, and mm-hmm. she once wore a dress made of meat. Okay, yeah. So that's <laughs> the the dressmaker made of meat is what I thought you were going to say first of all. Oh, okay. uh, so I love that you went to the born this way, but she was born with a dress of meat on. Oh, that's the thing. Oh, lucky. Um, so basically, a little background. I've seen Lady Gaga live. Believe it or not, I bet um, that was really good. Yeah, I saw her. I saw her live at uh, at Oxygen Festival in near Dublin in two thousand and nine. Okay, I believe it was, and um, and a friend of mine really wanted to see her, so we were like right at the front, 
for it. You know, I didn't really know much of her stuff at that point, but she was very early on. And even at that time, she was trying to be over the top and trying to be different and yeah. trying to be sort of a character, right? So there was a time she fell over in in middle in the in middle of the set. She cut, cut her knee open and she just like had the blood on her hand and she was like licking it at all, trying to be you know just like being a character, being being yeah. like you know in showbiz. And I think it makes it makes sense as well because you know in her early stuff she was like doing like the David Bowie lightning bolt on her face, yeah. and I think like she was very much taking from his Ziggy Stardust and stuff, right? Okay. So I watched the documentary Five Foot Two, which is an, uh, uh, a documentary about Lady Gaga going through the process. Well, two two processes. First process was releasing uh, her, I think, fifth or sixth studio album. Okay. And the and the other one was her <clears throat> preparing for the Super Bowl halftime show. Okay? okay. So basically, it's like a stripped back documentary that goes behind the scenes of Lady Gaga. And she works with Mark, you know, Mark Ronson, yeah. who worked with Amy Winehouse. Um, she, she works with him during the uh, during the making of this new album. But the, so the point of this new album is, is she's trying to get away from like the high fashion image that people have of her. Yeah. And she wanted to strip it back and she wanted to do a, an album that was almost country inspired mm. uh, for her family. Right. So it was sort of following her in, in, in that in that regard. And. Do you know anything about like the way she's perceived by the world? Um, I mean, I've always she. I guess I, 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 I. She seems like she's the kind of person who would be like adopted as a gay icon. I think, uh, like that. Well, that's, that's what Born This Way is basically about, yeah. Yeah, and and I guess, so uh, to be honest, like I'll, I'll, you know, bear my own, um, my own biases against her. Where, like when she first kind of came on the scene, I, I, I was probably in my early to mid 20s and mm. was fairly pretentious i'm going to say yeah and um when she came on i was like oh that's really pretentious what she's doing there you know the kind of as you said the character that she's putting on um and i think that was more a comment on my own insecurities than it were <laughs> was on her because looking back at her I, I i well i think that's how a lot of people perceive her may, maybe still perceive her to this day um but mm. certainly as time has gone on I've, I've grown to like appreciate her as an artist a lot more yeah, I, I think, I think that, like, it's interesting actually because usually when you watch a documentary, it's so biased towards someone that you come out thinking, oh, geez, like you know, they're so much better than they're they're, they're viewed or whatever, and yeah. you come out really <clears throat> on their side. I came out in a weird way, sort of neutral towards her. Uh, the way that this documentary put her across, I think they were very much trying to make you just like be really on her side and boom 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 oh, okay. and i think i think for the most part like there's a lot of in her life which you do feel like oh, okay you know she seems like a nice person she's got this chronic pain thing where her hip is always in pain because she was in a car accident or something like that so she, every day after performances she has to get massages to make it not pain hurt mm. so there's a, there's a lot behind the curtain stuff which makes you feel empathy for and stuff but there was a particular moment that i've been driving out for the last five minutes this is what i'm getting to which no matter what else happened in the film, it made me have a little sour note on it, to be honest with you. Okay. And I'm not saying she's a horrible person, not at all. She came across quite well overall, to be honest with you. But there was a moment where she was on the phone to a friend of hers um, who has cancer and is in hospital, right? And it's like, okay, this is weird that you're filming this, but okay. Um, so she's on the phone to her friend. He's got cancer and she's talking to her and saying, we're going to come visit you as soon as possible. It's like, okay, 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 fine. You've got a friend that's got cancer. I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for your friend. And then whenever she got off the phone, she's in a room full of people. And it was almost that I could see the isolation of fame has gone to her because she just said, she just got off the phone, almost started crying and said, I'm losing everyone. Mm. Okay. So it was like, in my mind, I was like, that was the snapshot I needed to show me how divorced in a way from everyone else you kind of are because there was every time that was there was something that you really could relate to her with there was a little moment of there was a little moment of like something like that where or something. a little a little a little self-centeredness there which i'm sure is just bred from being this super famous pop star mm. that you can never really even trust people around you whether you're they're your real friends or not like i'm sure there's all that going into it but that's the way. What I will say is, though, I can imagine some people watching this documentary, and when she was preparing for the Super Bowl show, let me just put it this way. She was really, really... Now, a lot of people are going to watch watch it and think, bossy, 
okay? okay? So behind the scenes with all the dancers and all the costume designers and everything, she was like going, no, you need to do this because you need to do this and we need to be, and it needs to be like this. I need to know what the fabric's like in the mid, inside my jacket. I need to know what it's like because when I put it on, I need to know how much I'm breathing on stage, right? And the way it sort of come across, I know it was very neutral in the way that it showed her doing this. And I know that people who aren't au fait with like the film industry or the dance industry or the entertainment industry might look at her and think, well, she's a bitch, right? Mm. I watch it and I'm like, whoa, she is brilliant at her job. Yeah. Because she was right. There's three days to go to the fucking Super Bowl show. Yeah. And and there was dancers still rehearsing without their costumes on, you yeah. know, and and she was just like she was like a, a she was like the, uh, the the leader of the orchestra behind the stage, and it's called Five Foot Two, and this is really what stuck out to me. She's this tiny little woman with like thirty people around her, and she's just like, listen, this shit needs to be on, and uh, all this sort of thing, right? Yeah. And I'll finish. I'll go to you in a second, but I'll finish with this. The film ends now. Sorry to sorry to spoil everyone, but the fact of the matter is, she did a Super Bowl. Show, <laughs> she does the Super okay? Bowl. Show. Spoilers yeah. for twenty eighteen. Now, this is really cool. The way it ended, I really liked, okay? So it it's worth watching the film just to get this moment, right? Because I'd never watched her doing the Super Bowl show. Um, it gets to the point where she's on the she, she's on the, the pitch, halftime Super Bowl, and she's about to be lifted to the roof because that's where she started her, um, mm. her performance. Yeah. She's about to get lifted. She gets attached to the things, and she turns around and says to the fellas who are attaching her, she says, um, uh, I just wanted to say this is uh, the... Um, pinnacle of my career. Uh, I just want to thank you for being part of it. And then, and then, the 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 camera goes down to her shoes with these really huge high heel silver shoes, and and the camera stays there, but her feet get lifted out right of the of the thing, and then it goes to the credits. And I'm just like, get to YouTube, watch the Super Bowl halftime yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like a really cool moment, like because no matter what I thought of the documentary, that moment where it went to credits and I was like, get the fucking Super Bowl halftime show on right now, i got to watch this. It was really cool, well, you know? And that's like the, that's fun. So there's a, there's a couple of things you've raised that really make me want to watch this actually. So that, as a, as a starting point, I find a, a very interesting creative choice from the documentarian because I've spoken before about musical biopics and how mm. they are very good at tricking people into thinking they enjoyed the movie because they normally end on like a big musical number with songs you like yeah. and you leave and the last 15 minutes, you know, it's really upbeat, songs you're enjoying and you leave the cinema being like, I really enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody because, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, no, you enjoyed the Queen performance at Live Aid. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting that the, the documentarian presumably, uh, maybe there's licensing issues with showing a Super Bowl performance, I guess I, I I can't speak to that. But that's presuming that they had the opportunity to at least show parts of the Super Bowl performance and chose mm-hmm. not to because it's a more effective ending. That's that's that, that seems like a really interesting creative choice to me. It was really and and then once you know how they do like sometimes they do like post credit stuff while the credits are on they'll have scenes in there. Yeah. So the the credits roll for a bit and then it starts showing little scenes of all the dancers and stuff and yeah. her backstage after the show but they don't show any of the actual performance that's very cool i i i, I very much respect that and i think the other thing that you, you've mentioned there that makes me respect it a lot and it reminds me of another this is this is not so much a musical biopic it's just a concert movie uh there was a beyonce one from two years ago called homecoming which was her mm-hmm. um it was essentially her two performances at the two nights of coachella intercut with each other um with very brief uh, segments where they they looked at the the, the, the training before uh, before the the concert and you saw Beyonce in a similar light to how you described mm-hmm. Lady Gaga where she's kind of like no this needs to be like this like she's very you know she's cracking the whip um, yeah. and I found it I, f- I find it it's it's really interesting when documentaries do that because it seems like it's presenting more of a like warts and all kind of a depiction yeah. of the person. Um, and it sounds like that's what they're doing with Lady Gaga here, which is obviously it's made you question your opinion of Lady Gaga, but if it's in service of a compelling documentary, then mm. I think that's that's something to be respected. Um, because as you said, a lot of these kind of things are just like, look how amazing this person is. We're not going to show the reality of organizing a show this big which is that you have to be a little bit of a bastard in making sure yeah. everything gets done the right way yeah and but also the way yeah, exa- you're exactly right and what i know is i i just know from Ema working in the film industry not even to the point where like you've got a performance in three days like some of the managers within this in these industries where the pressures are so high and mm. so much money on the line even at the small levels right those people lady gaga's yelling at 
they are probably ten times the like ten times worse dicks than she is. Like like the like I know for a fact that there are so much pressure on those people that it just gets to the point where like all the managerial stuff you learn about like going to people and saying you know like making it think that's their idea and you know you've got time to go down and sort of fix the problem. Like whenever it's like a film or a, or a, or a or a performance where it's like no this is the day we have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Things have to be in place. I can't go down to your office and talk to you for half an hour, make sure you're okay before I tell you to fucking wise up. Yeah. I have you know, all that all those pleasantries go to the side. And the thing is, all the dancers and everyone, they would know that. You know, they know that, that that's the way. And let trust me, Lady Gaga is not the worst boss that they they will have ever had. You know? Yeah, and and I think that's I think it's that is a, a I don't want to say a brave choice because more documentaries should be like that. But the fact that that she's willing to be depicted in that way and the documentary is seemingly presenting an unvarnished view of what it looks like what the work that's required and the attitude that's required to get something like this done is is commendable so i'm definitely going to check that out because i love uh i love the sound of that yeah awesome awesome okay cool did did you did you say that was your your last one for um that's my last one yeah okay well i think then that is going to do it for us here uh, on the Best Movie Podcast ever. I hope you at home have enjoyed um, this slightly reshuffled format. We'll be continuing to tweak things as we go. Always trying to find the best find the best way to entertain you guys at home. Um, uh, but this just leaves us with one simple question to answer, as we always do, which is, uh, Anthony, what is your favourite movie? Free Willy. It's a great choice. Um, I'm going to say Return of the Jedi, <laughs> just to be just to really just to really put the cat among the pigeons uh, definitely not fucking twister i'll tell you that much <laughs> i i had to watch that movie i say had to i watched that movie with my partner fa- fairly recently it's i'm not sure about the 500 million dollars <laughs> I'm, <not, I'm> <laughs> sure. i'm not sure it deserved that to be honest um, well like you know the, the hurricane market was starved like you had wizard of oz and they had to wait like <laughs> that is seven true years. yeah <laughs> yeah know? there was there was, a, there was a, a yawning gulf in the in the wind-based disaster movie market and yeah. bill paxton and helen hunt swept in um and carrie elways as well who plays like a kind of a a, a, a rogue scientist who gets killed what spo- a lovely man spoilers for that i guess was he in tights? He might have been. You don't see his lower half that much because he's normally in a black uh, SUV. He's probably in green green tights, I'd say. Yeah. Or, yeah, he was, he was doing this the whole time as well. It was really weird. <laughs> yeah, the claw. Sorry, yeah. that For audio listeners, I was doing the claw, but the bad claw yeah. that Carrie always does in, in Liar Liar. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Anyway, join us <laughs> for next week's show. Join us on next week's show where we'll be doing another another one of these, another movie diary. Um, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. You can find a link to their stuff down in the thing below. Uh, and thank you to you for uh, listening. Please consider subscribing to us. We are The Culture Cave on YouTube. We're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps. Uh, and we will see you same time, same place next week. And cut.